Good morning. Welcome to Rimrock Church. What a beautiful morning. Yeah, thank you, Lord. As you know, it's Thanksgiving week, so we want to just give thanks to the Lord for all of his good gifts. He's amazing. Let's sing to him right now. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, oh my soul, worship his holy name. Sing like never before, oh my soul, I'll worship your holy name. Come on, let's lift it up.
We bless you, Lord. Well, thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. Thank you, Lord, for making me whole. Thank you, Lord, for giving to me thy great salvation. So rich and free. Amen. Let's sing that to the Lord. Thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. Thank you, Lord, for making me whole. Thank you, Lord, for giving. Thy great salvation, so rich and free. Yeah. When I see the beauty of a sunset glory, amazing artistry across the evening sky. When I feel the mystery of a day. thankful for today doesn't matter if you're going through hard times God says in all things give thanks but let's think about something right now that you are really thankful for 
a person, something God's done for you, and make this a prayer. Give me a thankful heart for all you've done in me. Give me a song of praise to sing eternally. That's our prayer. So many years ago, Lord, I was so lost. And I could find no hope in this world. Lord, until you came along, I filled my emptiness with song. I want to praise you all I've long. So give me a thankful heart for all you've done in me. Give me a song of praise to sing eternally. second and just turn around to somebody close to you and say hello this morning. Tell them what you're thankful for. Give me a thankful heart for all you've done in me. Give me a song of praise to sing eternally. Thank you. 
morning. You can have a seat. I am Amy DeLang, and I serve here at Rimrock as a volunteer on Rimrock's World Mission Team, along with some other great people. And um, you might be wondering, why am I up here doing announcements? Well, I don't know who needs to hear this, but I'm going to just give you a little piece of advice. If, uh, they, if you uh, promote something uh, like the World Mission Team that you're interested in, they also ask you to do all the other announcements. <laughs> so here I am. Uh, we are so glad that you're here this morning. We want to welcome everyone, uh, particularly our visitors. Um, if you look in the seat in front of you, there's a little white slip of paper, and we would encourage you to fill that out, and then you can take it to the back of the lobby, and there will be a small gift waiting there for you, which isn't really the point. The point is we just don't want you to come in, sit in a chair, and maybe feel invisible. We really want you to feel welcomed and understand how you might begin to be connected with other people here at Rimrock. So we encourage you to fill out that slip. Uh, so many of you come up the hill um, on West 44 in the morning. You might have driven by what was the old um, Fireside Inn, and it's now Mexico Topico. And you might have wondered to yourself, hmm, I wonder if their food is good. Um, maybe you've wanted to try their fajitas and you just haven't made the effort to stop. Well, today is your lucky day. Um, this evening at 5 o'clock, we'll be celebrating the fall fill-up. And Mexico Topico will be one of three restaurants catering our meal tonight. Perhaps, though, you're one of those crazy people. My husband will have a conversation with you afterwards, and you think, Mexican food just really isn't my thing. Again, your lucky day. We are, we are also having some amazing Indian food catered. And if that isn't your thing, this has got to be it. Have you ever seen that place? Um, there's one out by Rushmore Crossing. It looks like it's pronounced gyro hub, but it's actually euro hub. They also will be catering for our fall fill-up. And so we've got lots of amazing food choices. I debated about this next segue, but it came to me at 11.30 last night. It's super cheesy, but I just have to say it. So euro hub, euro is like the currency of Europe. And we've been talking about the church in Philippians. And the very first sermon, Ben had mentioned that the church in Philippi was actually the first church that Paul had planted in Europe. So it all ties together. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> the believers um, at the church in Philippi gave very generously, and that was not to support a project or an event, but really to support Paul in his ministry. And so inspired by that, the ministry board as well as the leaders here at Rimrock have decided that the funds from this year's fall fill-up are going to be divided between Rimrock's ministry partners. And if you pull out your bulletin, there's a list of all of those people that Rimrock supports. Some of those partners we've supported for 20, 30 years. Some of them are more recent. But what we'd really like to do is be a blessing to those people 
And so the money will be divided between our ministry partners. And you will have an opportunity by attending Fall Philip tonight um, to be a small part of blessing those people who have boots on the ground and are doing the work of Christ that we just simply can't do in places like Lebanon, Jordan, India. So Fall Philip tonight, five o'clock. Lots of good food, so please don't hesitate to come. And if you could bring a salad or a dessert to share, that would be awesome. Also in your bulletin, please take note. The schedule is going to be a little bit different for this next week. There'll be no Wednesday night church. And uh, there'll be family worship this Sunday immediately following Thanksgiving. Thank you. And didn't you forget to, Amy, isn't Everest also? Oh, we do have food from Everest too. Is that right? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. All right. So there's actually three food categories. You can do Mexican. You can do Indian food from Everest. Like I could totally eat that bread and nothing else. What's that called? Non. Non bread. That's the most amazing stuff there is. Well, Bill and I have been talking about what he's going to be talking about this morning, and this song is a perfect fit. It says, I've searched the world, but it couldn't fill me. Man's empty praise and treasures that fade are never enough. That's the truth. Oh, then you came along and put me back together. And every desire is now satisfied here in your love. Sing it to him. Come on. Oh, there's nothing better than you. There's nothing better than Lord, there's nothing, nothing is better than you. You know that this morning, sing it. Oh, there's nothing better than you. There's nothing better than you. Lord, there's nothing, nothing is better.
good morning to dancing. You give beauty for ashes. You turn shame into glory. You're the only one who can. You turn graves into gardens. You turn bones into armies. You turn seas into highways. You're the only one who can. You're the only one who can. You're the only one who can. Oh, there's nothing better than you. There's nothing better than you, Lord. There's nothing. Nothing is better than you. Amen. Do you believe that this morning? One more time, sing it to him. Oh, there's nothing better than you. There's nothing better than you, Lord. There's nothing. Nothing is better than you. Yeah, give the Lord a hand. He is good. God, we thank you so much that you are the best, God. There is nothing better than you. And as Bill comes up to speak, God, would you anoint his words? God, would you just open the eyes of our hearts? Help us to hear what you want to say to us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, good morning. Uh, the other day I was walking, actually I started to do a little Christmas shopping, so the other day I was walking uh, in one of the stores and I walked by a, a couple that was in a pretty interesting conversation. And uh, you know how sometimes you walk by and you just kind of, you can hear it and it gets louder and louder and you hear it and then you walk by and it gets quieter. And uh, some of the things that I heard, uh, I started to make evaluations on. And then it dawned on me that in many of my conversations, uh, when I go ahead and, and, and I'm trying to kind of build a case or, for myself with Nancy or whatever it might be, that if you just walked into the middle of that conversation and just got just an earful of that, you would so grossly misunderstand what was going on and what we were talking about. And I, 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 I dawned on me, I said, you know, how often do we take the word of God, this holy word of God that is uh, literally cannot be received in, independent of the whole canon of scripture. And we take, and we take not only a book, we take it down to a chapter, and then we take it down to a couple of verses, and we think we can really explain what's being said there in a couple of verses, and we will grossly misinterpret what's really being said because it can't be taken in part. I think one of the toughest things when the pastors get together for us, you should, you should hear us get together and talk about who's gonna talk the next and what are they gonna say. And, and the conclusion always seems to be exactly the same. It's just another way of saying the same thing. And, and, I, and I think the thing that we can do is that if we're not careful, 
we can try to just take and make a whole sermon out of this little few verses, and you can't. I'm, I'm reaching over, and I've got verses that are coming from last week and the week before from Ben and then from Nick, and then I've got some that we were talking about in Ecclesiastes, and then I got stuff, and it's like you just you can't do it. And I encourage you to, to be very, very careful when you take and open the Word of God that you remember it's always in context of why this book was given to us. And it's always in context of what happened from the very beginning. And even today, as we look at Philippians 3, uh, we are going to see that it's not very far from Genesis when man uh, was made and designed to be inhabited by the very presence of God, and man decided he could be man apart from God. And at that point, he decided he could live life and express man apart from God, and something happened terrible that we are feeling the effects of. And, uh, and so as you, you get that, God began immediately to do a restoration of, of him putting himself back into man. And that began the story of what we get of the canon of Scripture all the way through to where we are today. And Philippians chapter 3 is, boy, it is a, uh, it's loaded. It's a pregnant uh, portion of Scripture that I think if we wanted to, Ben, we could probably spend a year just on this, this portion of Scripture. And I don't think anybody would tire from it. Uh, but I, I think what we want to do is we want to simplify something that I think Paul was saying. And so uh, if you would pray with me, I'd sure appreciate it. Father, as Tom uh, talked to you about it, and I talked to you about it on the way up here and have for a while, and I'm sure some of the people here have already said I'm praying for you, is that, uh, that you would get our own flesh patterns and you would get our own agendas out of the way today. We have the ability to hear from you today, Father, but as I read in Proverbs this morning, it's not a hearing uh, that brings information and knowledge. It's a hearing that affects the way I live my life and the way I live with people and love people. I pray today that there have been impact, and right now I don't know who you're, you're reaching out on today for specific things, but I would pray, Holy Spirit, that you would surround each of these individuals. You said we could come to you and say, search us and know our heart, try us and know our troubled thoughts, and see if there be anything unclean in me. And, uh, and we ask that today. And we ask you to just walk through and make something lift up off the pages today. Let it come alive and, uh, and pass through our brains of information and education and let it come into our hearts that somehow live out an expression of love that brings a spirit of rejoicing in our hearts. Father, I ask that you would just uh, pour into me your Holy Spirit so that the words that I would declare, Tom said, would no longer be mine nor from my flesh, but would be from you. And I believe you'll do that in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have your Bibles, uh, turn to Philippians chapter 3. We are going to simply walk through uh, this piece by piece, verse by verse, and, and try to kind of unfold with you, kind of getting the feel of what Paul was writing. Remember, he was writing a letter to uh, his first church. He was writing a letter. These were very, very uh, people dear to him. And so he was writing a letter to them that was really going to go ahead and hopefully impact and influence their lives, not only for the future things, but some things that were going on. So as you kind of walk through this with me, uh, if you'd open your Bibles, I don't know if we have 
it on screen. I, have, I will be reading from the New American Standard, and, uh, and so join with me. Chapter 3 of Philippians, verse 1, says, Finally, let's pause right there. I, I think most of you in here like that word when a pastor's preaching, finally. Because <laughs> you're saying, oh, good, wrap it up. Your books are starting to close. And yet, uh, so he was a preacher, and, uh, but he fooled them twice. If you'll notice in chapter 4, he says, finally, whatever is pure. It's like, well, he faked us out twice. And so, finally, my brethren, Rejoice in the Lord. I want to pause there for a minute because I think you're going to see a contrast. I think, Ben, you were the one a couple weeks ago that basically said, do all things without grumbling and questioning that you may be blameless and innocent children of God. You have two comparisons here. You have a sign of immaturity and a sign of immaturity and, and uh, I just see immaturity is there's grumbling and questioning that seems to be present. If you go back to the Psalms, it says uh, that people that grumble and question, it says they wear it like a belt. And what that really means is they're identified by their grumbling. You ever been around people that's, it's like they're always complaining. They're always grumbling. And so they're almost identified. Their belt almost identifies them that way. And then you have another group here that is a sign of maturity. And it says, rejoice in the Lord. They just seem to rejoice. It's, it's amazing, and you're wondering why. How can that person go through that event and still somehow not complain? What is it that that person possesses? Uh, at the end of the service, I am going to tell you a story of that experience that I just saw in a person that both Nancy and I, it just blew us away. We said, this is, this is a reflection of a mature man that is carrying and living out the way that life was designed. And I'll t share with that in a minute. But he says, finally, my brother, rejoice in the Lord. And we're going to see how that's possible. To write the same thing again is no trouble to me, and it's a safeguard for you. So if you will see this, it's not just that he's saying this at this point, it's to the Philippians, but it's, it's interesting that if we look at the other epistles, as we go through the epistles, five of the other epistles, he said, it's nothing for me to tell you this again and again. And matter of fact, he said, it's nothing for me to remind myself of these things again. And he's reminding them, not of a whole bunch of different things, he's reminding them of basically one truth. And he's saying, I'm just going to keep reminding you of this. Because there's, there's a mystery in this that it says even angels look into and long to understand. And so he's going to remind them of something. It's a safeguard. So first thing, he comes out here, and again, you've got to catch this before you get into these other verses. He says, beware of the dogs, beware of the evil, do, uh, evil workers, and beware of the false circumcision. Well, let's break that down so you understand what, what he's really trying to get your attention on. Now, dogs were not the same as the dogs that we have. I am a dog person. As people know, our family grown up with dogs. Uh, somebody said if they die, they'd like to come back as one of our dogs because of the way they're treated. These were not the dogs they were talking about. <clears throat> These were stray, wild dogs. Uh, they were like last, uh, last night, we are talking about the coyotes, and we heard the coyotes salt in our yard again. And coyotes, uh, you've got to remember, coyotes are not friendly dogs. 
But here's the interesting thing about dogs, and when they refer in the scripture about dogs, they say don't, a dog returns to its vomit, or it basically eats the, that that's decayed. And so what happens is when you took some food and it was just all done, it had molded and it was terrible, they didn't throw it in their little garbage cans, wrap it up. They would heave it out onto the streets. And the dogs would come and eat that decayed food. And they would eat it and it was stenchy and it, would de it was decayed. He's saying this here of these people. He's saying these people are taking something that is decayed. They're taking something that should not be eaten from anymore. And he's saying, and they're eating from it and then boasting in it. And you'll see what he's saying is there was a covenant that was made when Christ came and died on that cross and hung his arms out there and he yelled out, Tistetelstai, it is finished, paid in full. I got what I went after. And therefore, it was the beginning of the cross, which brings into the resurrection, is that now that we can live life in an entirely different way, no longer on our credentials, no longer on, uh, on what we have accomplished, but it's going to be on God and God alone that we're going to take glory in. These people were taking glory in what they were doing in their own power, in their own flesh. And he said they're like dogs. They're eating out of something that is no longer needed. They're going back to something that they were called out of. And so he makes the cross null and void. It's like, so you're saying my death on the cross and what I did so that you and I could live life in an entirely different way. Why are you going back like a dog and eating something that's decayed? And what they were eating at this point, we're going to see here in a minute. It says they were uh, evil uh, workers. And it says, and beware of these false circumcision. The false circumcision were basically, they were actually, the word there is, were called mutilators. They were mutilators of the flesh. And what they were doing is saying this, that my reputation, that which I'm empty of, they didn't know they were so empty of, but I'm going to go ahead and by my own efforts of my own uh, things that I do, I'm going to somehow glory in what I have done, and it's in my flesh and my ability to do something, and they were taking glory in their ability to perform something. Paul then jumps into this thing, and he says, but we're the true circumcision, and we worship in spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus, and we're putting no confidence in our flesh. And so now I want to take a break here, and let's go back to the book of Ezekiel, Ezekiel chapter 36, Ezekiel 11. God is uh, using Ezekiel, and he is prophesying that a day is coming that, that I, uh, I set in place before the foundation of the world, that I'm going to take that old heart of yours, that old heart that's a stone, I'm going to rip it out of you, I'm going to cut it out, I'm going to circumcise it out of you, and I'm going to place in you a new heart. And that is, I, through the spirit of the living God, is going to come and come within and unite with your new heart. If you have responded to the call of Jesus Christ, that old man, that old heart was pulled away, it says in 2 Corinthians 5.10, and a new spirit was put within you. And therefore, we're going to learn to live in spirit and not in the flesh. We're going to learn to boast in spirit and not in the flesh. So he's saying the true circumcisers, those that are in the spirit who put their glory in Christ Jesus, what he has done, okay, they're the ones that are going to experience the ability to rejoice. But let's go on. And he says, they put no confidence in the flesh. 
Although I myself might have confidence even in the flesh, if anyone else has mind to put confidence in the flesh, I far more. Circumcised the eighth day of the nation of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to the zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness, which is of the law, found blameless. Now let's pause a minute, because I want you to get a picture of what was going on here. Uh, Paul basically lists four things. Now, there's, there's lots more than that, but Paul listed four. I would give up, if I was to say, here, let me give you my credentials, I would grab to the things in my life that I was pursuing most of my life to get my own worth, my own identity, my own value out of, and so I would start to brag on those things to say, hey, I have confidence here, and this is what Paul was doing. Number one, he was talking about his genealogy. He was talking about the fact that he came from a line of, gene- a line of Benjamin, the tribe of Benjamin, and, and he started bragging about his ancestors. Now, I don't think as much today we do that in this world. I think, Ben, if you go back to the other ones, there, there is a caste system, and so therefore you brag on your ancestors all the way down. But ours sometimes can, can be mixed together. We can, we can brag on our ancestors that uh, they might be people that kind of are those that minister to us in faith. Uh, I have heard myself numerous times, caught myself, and I'd usually later on find out that if I, I was really privileged to have some very godly men that have all passed away by now, but they were well known, that had influence in my life, and they, they influenced my life. And so there'd be times that I would kind of throw out the name. You know, I remember sitting down with Billy Graham, and, and I'd start to throw that out. So you'd say, oh, he sat down with Billy Graham. Okay. Look at his ancestor. Look at his lineage. So he starts by that. The second thing he goes into is his orthodox, or his education. Paul was extremely well educated. He was from the elite education. Today, uh, it would be, I, I remember sitting in a place after doing a wedding out east, and and when you're out east and you're talking and listening to people kind of give their, what they're glorying in or what they're taking confidence in, a lot of it is education. And I remember in the conversation sitting it on a meal and they said, well, <clears throat> our, our son's going to the school and it's 35000 a year. It was a preschool. And they all jumped into the conversation. Well, I'm, I've tried to get them into that one, but I'm over at this one. And, 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 and I'm thinking, look what they're glorying in. And so they were glorying in their education. They're glorying in where even their grandkids or their kids are getting education. We do the same thing. We glory in our doxology. We glory in, 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 in our history of who we've studied under, who we've studied from. And you've got to remember, Paul had studied from the best. He studied from the best. Then the next was his activity, what he had done. And he's throwing out, these are the things, these are my accomplishments, these are the things that that I have done that qualify me to be recognized. And then lastly was his morality. I haven't had an affair. I haven't had this. And so he had a list of all the things that he had done, and he gloried in those. Now, I'd like to tell you that when Paul was thinking of these things, this may catch you off guard, Paul actually thought these things qualified him to be called by God. 
You see, when God got a hold of Paul when he was crucifying the, the Christians, he thought he was doing what was right by his study and his orthodox. And so he was criticizing and getting permission to really wipe out the Christian people that were believing things that were different than him. And so when God got his attention and says, Paul, I'm going to call you Saul, I'm going to call you Paul, and you're going to be my witness. And then he kind of thought, okay, so now all of a sudden I, I know the living Christ because he said, who is it that I'm crucifying? And he said, Jesus Christ, whom you're crucifying. So then he thinks, wow, okay. But in his mind was still, well, no wonder he chose me. Because my ancestor, because he still thought these things even after he was a believer and knocked, off, knocked down on the floor. And so he, he goes up to the disciples and he's ready to go. Hey, I, I'm the one. I'm the one that's being called to carry this. And he said, basically, in a nutshell, Paul, go back to Tarsus and hang around for five more years. Get rid of yourself. You still got too much confidence in your flesh. So Paul's reminding us of this. Not only was it before, but afterwards he thought that. What is your confidence in? What do you put your confidence in? I ask the Holy Spirit to touch you today, and sometimes you've got to stop and be still enough to know that what am I glorying in? What is it that somehow feels that makes me full, that makes me complete, that I can somehow take some type of glory in? What is it? Is it what you own? Is it maybe that nest egg that you've worked so hard and you've got it over here and now you're taking glory in that? Is it your looks? Is it your talent? Is it your friendships? Is it your house? We can go on and on, and I believe if you'll be still enough, the Holy Spirit's gonna move on you because we are gonna find something here that God says you cannot serve two masters. You'll either love one and hate the other. You cannot serve basically the flesh to get your glory from and Christ Jesus to get your glory from. You can't do a little both. You're one or the other. I often, <clears throat> Glory, when I first came back here into Rapid City, and, and uh, I believe God had at least awakened me from a religious gospel to at least knowing that there was a different type of a gospel. It was a gospel that was basically Christ's grace in his life. And I came back and I said, this is amazing. Why aren't people screaming this from the mountaintops? And I came back, but I, I found that whenever I went somewhere, I gloried in the fact of my baseball accomplishments. And I would, I would lay those out so that people would, oh, let's believe, let's go ahead, and now we can listen to him. And then when it got to the point that nobody had ever heard of me or knew anything about me, uh, because I was way too old, then I found something else I would glory in. You see, we, we all love to take glory in things that somehow makes us okay. Makes us okay. But he said, put no confidence in the flesh. And then he goes on and says this, in verse 7, but whatever these things were gained to me, those things I have counted as loss for the sake of Jesus Christ, more than that, I'm counting all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Let's pause there. You've got to remember that he spent not only those five years, he spent seven years. It even, it even kind of suggests 14 years alone in the wilderness with Jesus Christ who discipled him. 
So think of that. You're going to go out in the wilderness, and you're going to be with Jesus Christ, and he's going to disciple you. And here he says, I've got to get to know him. Well, I thought you knew him. You spent all this time, and, and the point he's making is if you enter into what I'm talking about here, he is un, you cannot come to the, the end of him. You just start in the beginning, and he, he's unfolding himself all the time. And to get to know him, I count everything but loss. He even goes on in a few minutes and he says, matter of fact, if you want to know what I count it, all of those things I just told you that I gloried in, I count them as manure. Last night I was uh, thinking of this. I, I, I restrained. But before I come here, I'd go pick up horse stuff. Uh, and I have to kind of put it in the wheelbarrow and stuff. And I thought, some of this is pretty fresh. And I said, I wonder how people would respond if I just had a bucket right here. And I just took that bucket and I just whipped it out across here. And the reaction would be, ah! That's actually his reaction. He's saying, it's not that I'm just saying no one's, but he's saying, get it out of here. It stinks. It's horrible. Don't get that on me. He's saying, those things that you and I are taking glory in, get them out of here. They're false circumcision. They're, they're the, what the dogs eat from. They're not at all going to benefit you. And matter of fact, they're at, they are going to reflect a poor picture of what God did. And I pause right now and tell you this. We live in a world that was founded for Christianity, and now we look at a world that the world hates what we have shown them. They hate the picture of it because I think it smells like this. Because we glory in our religion, and we glory in our churches, and we glory in the things that we're not doing. And we're not doing that, and so we're pointing fingers out here, and God's saying, don't glory in any of this. Glory that you know me. That I will become your confidence. In 2 Corinthians 3, I think it's 5, it says this, God who is my confidence, not that I'll put confidence, he becomes my confidence. And so we begin to glory in him, in him alone. And then it leads into something that I want to end with before the, we're going to do a song here. Then it says at this point that then you may know not only him, but the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings and it will be conformed to his death. Now I know this has a little bit here in order that I may attain the resurrection. I want you to get the picture of why this is so essential and why it's so important, the resurrection, the resurrected power. What you're wanting in your heart and desiring in, inside of you has been placed in there by God. He has placed this desire to experience eternity in every human being, but he's made it impossible to try to get it and reach it. So you're wanting something you desperately cannot have, so we all try to take our own flesh and we try to get it and try to glory in that, and he's saying, no, it cannot come that way. I'm going to give you something that no other faith in the world has. You, t you look at every denomination, uh, you look at every uh, religion across the world, and there's something entirely different that makes this stand out so radically from all the others because every single one of them has to do with those people and their sacrifices and them doing what they, it's all on them. It's all on the confidence in their flesh. You didn't sacrifice enough. You sinned too much. And all of it is there. Let's weigh your good against your bad. And he's saying, 
I'm going to give you something entirely different. It has nothing to do with you. Nothing to do with you. You're going to glory in the fact that I'm going to go ahead and come in and be your righteousness. I'm going to take that sin that was on your life, and I'm going to take it upon myself, and I'm going to remove it from you, and I will never hold it against you ever again in your life. And I'm going to pour into you the righteousness of God. So the very presence and invasion of the Holy Spirit is going to come into yours and my life, and this is what blew the people away. This is what turned the world upside down back at Rome. They're saying something that is unbelievably strange. And even the angels said they were looking on and said, we can't comprehend this. That God is going to invade mankind and live inside you. That's the resurrected power that you get to raise up. And then with that comes a power that is unbelievably supernatural. Let's do this song. And then I want to kind of conclude with a story to let you see that.
in there it says let us become more aware of his presence and I think that's that's the realistic terminology there is uh, I woke up this morning the sun was kind of shining down there and I was reading a psalm and the psalm says that the sun cries out the glory of God's presence and I said isn't this interesting Nancy it's dark but look at as the sun comes up everything it shines on is declaring his glory uh, just so you know uh, you're, not, you're not somehow inviting the Holy Spirit in here. Just become aware of his presence. He exists and he blows this thing away by his power and everything. Not only there, but in your own life. Is it become aware of his presence. Be aware of his presence within you. Uh, I hope I make it through here all right. I'm, I've asked God to kind of do this for me. I was very hesitant, but because uh, a number of verses came to mind that says, uh, let another brag of you, not your own tongue. And, uh, and so this couple weeks ago, uh, a, a terrible event happened in our hills, and a young man that grew up with my sons, they found him dead in the hills. And uh, his dad lived out in California. He was a dear friend of mine and uh, stood up for me in my wedding. I stood up for his and his wedding. He has had a lot of tough things in his life, a lot of things that came on him. Uh, he would be the first to say that uh, a lot of the things in his life were because of his choices, and he experienced the consequences of his own choices. But either way, he has walked through a lot of pain. Uh, this happened uh, after a year and a half ago. His other only son uh, was found dead laying in the streets of L.A., So the reunion of him coming and staying with us was not on real good, happy terms. Yet he comes in, and the first thing he does is, as before, he, we embrace, and, and I'm instantly going into, uh, I don't know what to say, anything like this, and he is just rejoicing in God. And his joy is contagious. And both Nancy and I are just looking at this, and it's not living in denial. He is basically experiencing the very thing that we're talking about. In his life, he had done a lot of things to try to glory in his own life, in his own things. 
and came to the conclusion that this is a story about Jesus Christ and the cross and the resurrection of his life. And throughout the week, other things kept happening. Poor guy, in the middle of the night, he's just, I can hear movement, and I'm waiting, waiting, what's going on up there? And, and I finally, he comes down early, 4 o'clock, and he can't stand anymore. He's in just terrifying pain, and he says, well, I, I've got to get to the doctor, emergency room right away. So we jump in the car, and we bring him to the emergency room, and sure enough, there's just some more stuff he has to deal with. And in the emergency room, the nurses are taking care of him, and he's somehow he's got them laughing. And both Nancy and I said, what in the world? And I said, uh, said how are you handling all this pain? I said, I can't I'll take one of these things. And he says, whenever I look at this, I, I am so brought back and humbled by what Christ did on that cross. The suffering that he had on that cross that he's allowing me to share in right now is an honor and it's a privilege. And he said, and I understood, I finally came to understand that the power that God gives me to display his love is only accomplished through his resurrected life living in me, and that alone. He didn't have to say any more than that. I just watched wherever he went. I watched him with people. And by the way, he would be the first to say he is far from perfect. Matter of fact, he said that some times too often. But Nancy and I marveled at the life of Christ in him and the impact it had on people's lives. And I felt like, you know what, God, this is what it's supposed to look like. This is where there's all these different divisions seem to be just washed away when your life is expressed in somebody that really no longer is going to glory in his own performance, in his own flesh, but he's going to glory and take his, his kabod which is his reputation, his glory, from Christ and Christ alone and what he accomplished on the cross. And this is the power of the resurrection. This is the resurrection that basically draws people. It's beautiful. Nobody was offended by his kindness and his love. I ask you today that if there's anything, the first of all you would do is when you're by yourself, and sometimes it's really hard if you're not by yourself, to get alone and just say, Father, what is it that I just somehow take glory in? What is it in my flesh that I somehow take for my reputation or somehow I get some of my value and worth out of? Now, I want to tell you that it wasn't long ago we walked through another book and there was a wise old man named Solomon and he said, it isn't that we're telling you you can't earn money and you can't fix your hair and you can't look good and you can't perform well in your sports and if you're soccer, to win the, the trophy, if go, nothing's wrong with that when put in their proper place. But those things cannot give you glory. They cannot be something that is going to battle with God because God says, I will have no other God before me, and you can't serve two masters. Once you know and have said, God, I'm honest with myself, I tend to get glory out of this. I get glory out of my voice because it sounds, not mine singing, but somebody's voice. But now that I know that you are my life and you are my glory and it's all your resurrected power, let me now enjoy what you've given me. Would you pray with me? Father, I marvel at your hand and what it looks like. And I now, I, I now really 
got to see and experience in, in, uh, in real form when you said, no longer written on tablets of stones, but on human hearts, you're gonna display your life. And that we have the ability to be the carriers. We are ready uh, writers of a story with our lives. We have the ability to reflect to a world that is so lost and so in need of you. And we're gonna trust that you're gonna live through us in such a way only by the fact that we recognize and acknowledge the participation of your cross so that we can see the resurrected life invading our very lives. And oh, what a journey are we looking forward to, that we would be known as people that rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. That that would be our testimony because it's a rejoice of who you are, not about our joy. I'm gonna believe you to do that in the lives of some people here today. And I ask it in Jesus' name, amen. All I once held dear Built my life upon All this world reveres And wars to own All I once Gain. I have counted loss, spent and worthless now, compared to this. Knowing you, Jesus, knowing you, there is no greater
be sure to come tonight at 5 o'clock to Fall Philip. And uh, we just want to invite